The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Giudice. Welcome to your day in court on Extra 106.3 with renowned lawyers, Bruce Hagan and Ray Giudice. If you ever need legal advice, the experts in this room can steer you down the right path. Whether it's the field that they practice in predominantly or not, they can definitely hook you up with someone that does practice in the field that you have an issue with. But if it's personal injury, Bruce Hagen is the way to go. Bruce, how do folks get a hold of you? Uh, thank you. So great to be here today. I'm excited for this show. Easy to get a hold of me. It's Bruce at Hagen-Law.com, H-A-G-E-N. That's the email address. You can call me anytime, 404 404- 522-7553. We're there all the time. Yes, I handle personal injury claims. I've been doing that for 30 plus years now, uh, but we know a little bit about everything. And so if there's something else you need besides a personal injury lawyer, I am certain we can point you in the right direction. So consider me your family lawyer for whatever your needs might be. There you go. And Ray Judice, if you need some defense help. Yeah, Ray, 404-964-4185. That's my cell phone. Go to my webpage, Ray Judice Law, which has all my contact information, the office address, the office number, the email. But also what I tried to do with my webpage is not just list victories or personal political judgments. I've put on a lot of videotape of different uh, court TV shows I've done, CBS 46, talking about local murders, and also things about my philosophy is what do I want to do with my team to get get ready immediately, put on a good defense for you, protect your rights, protect your family in a case, and we want to start right away. So if you go to that video, it'll give you, you don't have to come see me. You already know whether or not you want to hire me. There you go. But if you need help in any realm, either one of them can point you in the right direction. So we're going to focus on juries today, and uh, we're going to invite home team Brandon Leake, who has been called and selected for three juries. We'll get his story coming up in the next segment, and, and he'll carry us through the rest of the show. But before we get to home team, People skipping on juries seems to be an issue, but it, it's it's puzzling to me a little bit, Bruce, because you know where they are. You send them the summons. If they don't show up, it seems like an easy fix. Yeah, and uh, but it's an expensive fix, and there's limited resources. Uh, if you receive a jury summons uh, and don't show up for your day that you're supposed to be called in, the sheriff might show up at your door and might escort you to court for jury duty the next time. Um, there are sanctions that, that the court can impose, but it's expensive. There's a limited number of sheriffs that they can go out and do that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's it's something that the court system relies on people to fulfill their civic duty when that notice comes in the mail that you show up on your allotted time. You know, one thing we've seen since covid uh, and since the explosion of Zoom and other similar technologies in the courtroom, is that now we're seeing some courts are using um, video jury selection. What they're finding, as lawyers, I think Ray would agree, um, I don't like it. I, I, I don't want to pick a jury looking at a computer screen trying to see, you know, looking at that Brady Bunch array of folks, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how we're going to decide uh, 
body language, facial expressions, and, and get a sense of who these people are um, to select them for a jury. Uh, but what the uh, courts are finding is that they get a much higher percentage of people actually responding to the jury summons because they don't have to leave their house. They can do it right from there. So the courts may continue doing, during, uh, doing Zoom jury selection even when we hopefully put COVID behind us. Yeah, COVID has really changed the nature of the practice of law, especially for us, we trial lawyers, courtroom lawyers. Uh, on one hand, as Bruce points out, you know, every time we've got to go downtown to court or out in the burbs, it's a two and three hour turnaround between parking and security up front and getting into the courtroom with 50 other lawyers and the judges. You know, every case, if you've got 50 cases that morning and every case gets two minutes, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a couple hours and we haven't done anything. We've just asked everybody what their status is. So Zoom is great. And, and the other protocols team are great for that. But, you know, that's where the skill and the art and the craft and the experience comes in of sizing up a potential juror, uh, how their body moves, what are they wearing, how do they, how do they move in relationship to the other jurors? Who are they sitting next to every time they come in and out of the courtroom? Are they, are they teaming up? Have they uh, bonded with someone? Yeah, and, and, I, and I want to zoom in on their, uh, as we'll talk about another time, you know, their, their jewelry and what are they reading. That's really important to me. Do they have a religious symbol, a piece of jewelry or a tattoo? Uh, do they look like they're wearing working boots that they go to a working job every day? Yeah, or are they, yeah, they're wearing Italian yeah. loafers. You yeah. know, these are small things, but they're really important. Now, on the flip side, there is information that can be gathered from a Zoom type oh, yeah. of uh, thing. Yeah. Because, for example, in court these days, um, the judges are requiring prospective jurors to wear masks in court. Mm. So folks are answering questions while wearing masks. You don't really get to read their facial expressions. Obviously, sitting at home in front of your computer screen, you're not wearing a mask. Um, people have something behind them when they're doing their Zoom, well, we right? Well, see is this, what they're reading. Is this a person who is just mm -hmm. laying in bed and, and doing it, and you get a sense of, all right, how serious are they going to take this? Is this a person who is in what appears to be a home office or has a curated background of books and bookshelves and you know can you get a sense of who they are trophies um confederate flags uh you know whatever else might tell you a little bit about who they are uh just from looking at it, it might be a uh, a flag from a, a military flag funeral, that you know? somebody so, in their so family right there, there are things you can tell perhaps about a person by the background that they have so fascinating to watch uh if you watch any of the news shows cable tv or financial news channels that i know you you watch tug i noticed such a big difference in the uh, what what now the zoomers the commentators are having as background yeah they're it, getting very very uh, it's staged yeah absolutely it's sending very a message it is trying to send a message just as Bruce pointed out uh, and then you see some folks who just don't care. <laughs> right. You know, they just don't care. They're in their kitchen and the cat's running around the cookie jar. And that and gives you information, too. I, I know one of the first um, Zoom jury selections that was done was in Texas. And um, the court, <laughs> they, they had to admonish a couple of these jurors. One of them was in bed, you know, like under the covers with pillows. It's just in bed doing it. Another one was uh, on his Peloton. You know, this was at the peak of Peloton's uh, um, Popularity, yeah, right? So these guys, the guys, you know, obviously pedaling, sweating, breathing hard as as they're, you know, as they're asking questions. Another person must have had a house full of children running around and was alternatively like leaving the screen um, and could be heard shouting at kids to do whatever, probably be quiet, uh, <laughs> you know, and 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 so. It was so much distraction taking place there that you just wondered about the efficacy of it. But 
Um, what courts do like is that, let's say in a typical scenario, um, traditional jury selection, here's your summons going out in the mail, you show up on such and such date for jury service. Most courts in Atlanta, if, if they see 35 to 40% of people responding, they feel pretty good about it. Um, with Zoom, they were seeing 70 to 75% of people responding to it. And just from the standpoint of efficiency in running their courtroom, a lot of courts may decide that this is something we're going to continue doing for no other reason than it gets people to respond and we can get to more trials. But there's a second part of jury participation. That's during the trial. Yeah. Uh, there is inf- increasingly frequently, if you've got a lengthy jury trial, you better get it to the jury by f- by 1 o'clock on Friday because all 12 of them plus the alternates may not be back there on Monday. Right, and then with Zoom, that would kind of that would that would change that dynamic. Yeah, well, I'll you. tell you, I, you know, I've had a couple offers by prosecutors who want to speed things up and uh, slam my client to do a jury trial by Zoom, and I'm just not doing yeah. it under the confrontation clause. I don't think I have to, and I'm not going to. Home team Brandon Leak has been selected for three different jury trials and and went through the entire process. We're going to talk to him next on your day in court here on Extra 106.3 with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. If you ever miss an episode, you can get it on any of the podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, or Amazon, or you can get it on the Extra 106.3 app. So never miss an episode of your day in court. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. Welcome back to your day in court on Extra 1063 with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. But we have a special guest, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in your whole life. His name is Home Team Brandon Leake. He is a staple in Atlanta sports radio and an all-around good fellow, man. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. That's a heck of an intro. Oh, that's, that's the truth. I feel better already. Hey, it absolutely tell you, is. No, it is 100% true. true. I've, known, I've known Brandon a long, long time, and um, we were talking the other night, and he started telling me about his jury service. Yeah. And um, we, we got about 20 minutes into it. I said, Brandon, our listeners need to hear this from <laughs> you exactly because right. this is something that's on everybody's mind. I mean, we talked about, you know, what 
people do and how they react when the jury summons comes in the mail. But uh, Brandon Home Team League has been not just once, not twice, but three times picked for jury service, um, meaning that three times he's been vetted, questioned, and nobody found him offensive enough to eliminate him from their list of prospective jurors. So he has gotten through and sat through three juries, and that's an experience that Ray and I will never have. Uh, and it's something that uh, is fascinating because you really get a unique opportunity to be part of one of the most important processes that our country has, a, a trial by a jury of your peers. I'll tell you, I have spoken to many jurors, as Bruce has, asked after the trial's over, win or lose, and I would say to 97%, every one of them said the same thing. I really dreaded it when I got that jury notice. I didn't want to be tied up for a week or for two weeks. I didn't think I was going to enjoy it or learn from it or, or be focused on it. And every one of them, except those that little 3%, uh, right. said this was a fantastic experience. And that's, they're not volunteering to do it again anytime soon, but they really took it seriously. And I want to say enjoyed it, threw themselves into it. Yeah, actually it participated the way you should. Yes. TV, do you feel the same way as, as everybody at the 97%? I will say you do feel liberating, uh, liberated, and you do feel like you did the right thing once you feel, finish with jury duty. And it was funny talking to Bruce, you know, having it happen over the years and in different counties uh, here in Georgia. You know, I can kind of fancy myself as a as an expert. I'm an expert in bacon and, and jury duty. You know, maybe some bourbon in there too. Bacon yeah. or bacon? Bacon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> count bacon. me in. A little bacon, I can be an expert count on. Count me in. But it is liberating, and you know, one of the things I will say is that when you finish you really feel like oh i didn't I, I didn't waste my time here you really i'm just telling you how i felt i felt like you did the right thing you did listen to all of the evidence and you really did try to walk out of there giving everybody their fair day in court on this recent experience did you feel that the 12 people who were on the jury took their jobs seriously and were considering the facts considering the law and and being Open-minded, fair-minded, open to discussion when you're in the jury room. How did you feel people reacted back there? I think what you find out is how you have to get into a room and work things out. There were a couple of people who I thought were trying to shotgun the situation. All right, let's go ahead and vote right after we got sent to the jury room. And there was one lady who said, hey, 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 why don't we just get on the easel and go over some of the evidence we'll first? Maybe kick some things around a little bit. <laughs> so there were a couple of people, but the overwhelming majority, they wanted to do their due diligence do of right going thing. through the evidence, not making it last three weeks, of course, but trying to have some order and trying to get to what we thought was right, was the right thing, because ultimately it is a jury of your peers, and we all were called away from our jobs and our families to go do the right thing. Well, so, well go ahead, go ahead. Two quick questions. A, were you ever selected as the four person? And if if not, you how did you in your mind help vote for or select who the four person would be? You know, it was funny when we started talking about it and to answer your first question, no, I've never been the four person. Uh probably could do it now that I've done it a, a couple of times, would be very settled in how to orderly walk that down. But it was more about the last time, like I said, there were two guys who were just ready to vote. And the one lady who spoke up first and said, well, wait, let's just kind of see how we want to walk through this thing. She kind of had the kind of calming, motherly, uh, let's be an adult about this or about her first. And so when we asked, is there anybody that wanted to be the four person, she was one of the people. One other guy, you know, 
started talking. So we said, tell us a little bit about yourself. We had a vote on that, and the young lady who we thought was right off the rip, a little bit more looking at the gravitas of the situation, um, we went with her. So it was a vote. You know, we all voted, kind of got to fill out the room and took a vote who we thought was the best person for the job. That vote, was it just raise your hand or was it something written down and, and nobody knew who anybody voted for? We, I can't remember. We did have one vote. We did write it down on a piece of paper. Um, it might, it was not that one. I think we all raised our hands. So we were all pretty much, you know, in favor. And I think it was like a, a 10-2 land or 11-2, you know, 9-2 landslide on who, who was to vote for. As lawyers, we assess potential jurors and you know that you're not going to have 12 leaders in a, in a room and, and you wouldn't really necessarily want to have 12 leaders in the room, but you try to identify like, who are the leaders potentially in this group who are the followers and who and are the disruptors? Who are yes. disruptors? Certainly, in, in a criminal from case, my perspective. Right? Yes. In a criminal right. case where all you need is one holdout, right? right? Uh, in the civil case, we need folks to reach a consensus. So it's like, who are the leaders, and do I think they're going to lead in that path that I want them to go down? Because a leader who is adamant against you can take everybody with them, and and you know now you've got a mess on your hands. And there's really no way to know. You know, we we go by instinct, feel, certainly experience. I mean. Between us, Ray and I have probably tried 500 cases. So, so you get a feel for things. Um, when we talk to jurors after the case and we hear the things that they talked about and how the deliberations went, there's always things that they considered that we never thought would matter to anybody. There's always factions that formed uh, and coalitions in that jury room that, that you, you might have anticipated, but you really didn't know how it would go. Yeah, you can kind of feel, as, and it depends on how long you go. I've been on a three-day trial, and I've been on one that was a week. The last one was a longer trial. It was a kidnapping trial. Had to uh, do with a little bit of a assault. And um, we had some video evidence. We had some uh, evidence where the guy completely said, no, it wasn't me. And, you know, she agreed to, you know, come with me. So we had a lot to go through. And uh, they were pretty serious charges. So um, I would say that, you know, everybody, um, you, you're right. There are people who are disruptors, but there are also cliques as well. And I think the first vote we took um, that was written down in secret was, you know, how many guilties, how many not guilties, just so you didn't have to put that out there at first. And then once we got that, have everybody give their opinion on what they thought or which way they were leaning. Well, you know, Bruce, a long time, and I was looking last night. You and I did the Dantana's Late Shift show. Yes. Remember that? on the yes. CSS? CSS. Man, That's been a minute. That's been a minute. That was a long time. That's what I knew raised checks cast. <laughs> That's good living there. That's good We living. also had much slimmer profiles. Yes. I was just, I would say for both of us. It's at us. Yeah, I had a few LBs yeah. uh, lower when we were doing those. But that was still, fun. Still handsome devils, though, Thank even you. today. He's still Thank sharp. You. But, yeah. but my question is, you, you may have a little more experience knowing lawyers, spending time with us, whether it's socially or, or just having a cocktail. What of, of your perceptions of the various lawyers in the courtroom, defense lawyers, prosecutors, civil lawyers, even the judge, what was changed or blown apart by having watching the lawyers in action? I think, and it may be unfair to the lawyer, lawyering, uh, lawyering profession, um, and I know, I've known both of you guys for a long time, so I know you personally, both of you guys are people persons you have very good personalities you engage people i would say that the attorneys that struck me the most were those who i felt like were talking to me in a way that i could understand not necessarily grandiose personalities but they weren't people who didn't 
have personality. Like if that talking makes any to sense. you, not at you. Yeah. So everything was, you know, the questions they were asking of the witnesses, and you kind of knew where they were going anyway. But it wasn't long drawn out. They weren't boring me. They weren't boring uh, my my jury mates, if you will. So it was a little bit of personality. Clearly, you could tell that some guys and ladies were more prepared than others. But I think you know just the homeliness, I guess, if that's a word, just being able to connect while you are going to ask your questions and get things on the record are some of the things. It's just been some of the guys that just been the typewriter kind of guy. You can kind of look in the jury pool and people be nodding off and, you know, not really paying attention because they weren't really drawn in or intrigued to the facts or the questions that were being asked. That's an intentional um a defense that some lawyers do is they try to make things really dry ah. and, and put jurors to sleep, ah. <laughs> knowing they won't pay attention to things that should be key okay. aspects of the case. For example, in our cases, personal injury cases, there's always going to be medical evidence of some sort. A lot of time that comes in with a doctor's testimony. Well, because doctors have important jobs and we want them out and there speak healing with people, big, big words. And they speak with big words, many times their testimony is presented via a videotape deposition. Mm. So you have a TV camera or, or rather a TV screen or, or a monitor or something in front of the jury and they're watching the doctor on TV. Um, and it's you know, question and answer just like it would be as if they were live, but it's dry. And and the defense lawyers will intentionally drag that thing out to take, you know, I might my questions might last 15 minutes. And yet it's two hours of doctor oh talking. Mm. I'm only interested in, you know, what are the injuries? Were they caused by this um, negligent act or something else? Or was it an aggravation of something else? But the defense wants to make it as boring and forgetful as possible. So they just get into all kinds of crazy stuff. And try to play that video when the jury comes back from lunch. Yeah, yeah right. And, and, their uh, and their bellies are full and they're yawning. Oh, yeah. And you know they're what? getting a little... My, we we, time, we time do it. that. <laughs> they teased us with a video we were yeah. supposed to see. Coming up next. Yes, yeah. of the <laughs> alleged uh, kidnapping, and we'll get to that a little bit later. And it was after lunch. I think Ray's right. No, we spend a lot of time on what's called the order of proof and, and, and you know what sequence it is that you're going to present your evidence, and things like that really matter. There are some things that I know that I don't want folks paying a lot of attention to, and so I may either get right after lunch or... They're, that's going to be my 4.30 to 4.45 witness when, when they're, they're ready to get clock, out of there. Right. Yeah, everybody's looking at their watch ready to go. <laughs> um, the other thing is, like, I know, for example, in a plaintiff's case, I've got the burden of proof, right? I don't want that decision going to the jury at 4 in the afternoon when the easiest way out of there is to say, defense verdict, let's go home and beat the traffic. So, so I will do whatever I have to do to get to that next morning. So that we can get them there fresh. It's like, all right, we're here. It's nine o'clock. We might as well take the time to do this because I had the day off from work. We got till lunch, whatever. And, and you just don't want to give a, a trial verdict to a jury after one o'clock on a Friday. God forbid it's a holiday Friday or a rainy November Friday in Atlanta when it's dark at four fifteen. <laughs> Those folks on the jury got to go pick up their kids. They want to get out of that Atlanta Thinking traffic about get up four hundred, and you're up there making your you know you spent two years on this case and you've written this fantastic closing statement with passion and a great suit, and, <laughs> and they're all just looking at that big clock on the wall. Especially I mean, folks that have made up their minds on a Wednesday. 
and there's some jurors holding out the last two days. On the last jury I sat, I was one of the last two jurors to hold out. So I went to bed, settled in my soul that the guy we were in front of, he got his every second of justice because I was literally the last guy out. And the guy who was kind of with me, not sure, he kind of slammed his hands on the table when he finally heard him and said, yeah, I'm out. And so well, everybody gave their full, honest jury. Well, that's great to hear. Though. It, yeah, is. it really is great to because hear. Because we, we know as lawyers that people look at this stuff differently. And some people, they, may, they make up their mind in jury selection. They hear the first thing about it, and they've already made up their mind. And, and other folks, you know, they might hear the opening statements, and they've already made up their mind. And, and so now you're trying to either dissuade them of a decision they've already made or keep them on board if they've decided in your favor. And the judge, of course, tells everybody, wait until all the facts are in, wait until you've heard me mm-hmm. charge you on the law, and go back and deliberate with an open mind and then make your decision. But human nature is, you know, we make snap judgments. You read, you read the book Blink, or you're familiar with it, Malcolm Gladwell's book, that, you know, that decision you make immediately within those first two seconds of hearing some information is more often than not the right decision on things. And it's funny you said that because there was video evidence in the uh, trial that we had, and they told us that we have to wait. You're right. It was right after lunch, so it was <laughs> kind of like a suspense <laughs> thing going on. And then when we saw it, um, I don't know how much of the details I'm allowed to share since you know we're here, but uh, basically a guy was accused of uh, you know stalking this girl. He presented himself as a car dealer and was trying to get the attention of this young lady. She worked at one of the establishments here, promised her a job. He was a car dealer, this, that, and the third. Well, it turns out out he really wasn't a car dealer he kind of worked at a car dealership but he wasn't the owner uh tried to build a relationship long story short he followed her somewhere uh took her out to eat she decided to leave he followed her and then coerced her to get into the car so when we heard the opening statements it was from one side he forced her to get into a car and she couldn't leave under her own will then we heard the defense she willingly got into a car and she rode with him because they have a relationship so you did have to wait to hear all of the evidence they had pulled over into an auto parts a parking lot. So there was a video camera to see the actual getting out and switching of cars. So waiting to hear after you kind of have made, oh, well, wait a minute. He made her get in. Well, wait a minute. Did she get in on her own? Those things do kind of stick with you like peanut butter until you see everything and you get in the jury room and kind of get a chance to deliberate. What about people when they're selected for jury duty? Like home team has been selected three times, and you said gone through three three cases, right? Mm-hmm. I've been selected twice and have never once oh. made it past you know the jury selection. I was I was you know crossed off the list immediately. What is the difference? Like why why are are some people selected and some people actually? Because so- I know because you you've said it before. It's not selecting as jury; it's actually striking a jury. Yeah, and it's just so many variables, as Bruce was pointing out before. First of all, it depends a lot on what is the case about. What kind of a case is it? If I'm on a criminal, defending in a criminal case, I don't want anyone with a law enforcement background uh, or their cousin is a you know a cop up in Wisconsin and they talk about things. I don't want that. I want anybody who went to law school or took a business law class. I want, I want all those people off the jury. I want demographics and background of people who have probably been hassled by the police, have gotten maybe they're in a little trouble in their lifetime. Uh, who are just a little skeptical about law enforcement in general, or just, you know, there are those folks in the world that, you know, you say right, they say left automatically, and those are the kind of folks I want. So I'm trying to get rid of someone like you, Tug, because you are a rational, reasonable, <laughs> normal human well, being. Well, some people would argue that, but but it was interesting. The, the, Wait a minute, what does that say about me? Yeah, yeah, that's, right. that's right, that's right. No, but it's, it's funny, and I can't remember the last... 
it's it's been a few years ago but uh when they were asking questions it was raise your hand if you've done this or that or the other thing and so one of the lawyers said have you had a bad interaction with a police officer mm-hmm. i raised my hand sure. and then the next uh, the other lawyer said have you ever had a good interaction with a police officer i raised my hand and so at, at that point i assume that i was out but but both <laughs> of those things are are true they they that i've I've had both happen. Yeah, and it's interesting. Were you surprised by any of the questions in jury selection? No. You know what was surprising um, here in Cobb County? I, I don't remember how we did it. I don't remember standing up. But in Cobb County, you have to stand up when they get to you in the selection process. Give your name. Say where you live. Say what you do. And then talk about what your wife does and do that in open court. So... I thought that was very interesting that we like you on trial or something. Yeah, well, you had to stand up and basically yeah. tell some private business. Well, I guess it's not private. You can look it up on Google, but, but stand up in front of your peers and, and this, this was in a room full of other people as well, right? Yes, because they're doing some jury selection by Zoom now. And uh, it's a little bit different, uh, but this was live in your case, right? Yes, um, I, they did. To, to Tuck's point, they asked me, "Had you ever had a bad interaction with a police officer? Do you have any family members in law enforcement?" So I could raise hands on both times. Uh, have you ever had anybody in your family that was convicted? And you could raise your hand. It was funny. Um, I felt like the defense attorney, because one of the things I saw him do, as soon as they the question was asked, had I ever had an interaction, a negative interaction with a police officer, he literally, he did not over, he just started scribbling. He went to his pad, turned his back, and started scribbling. So I didn't know if he was marking me off or if he wanted me on the jury. So I could tell whatever it was for him for that case, the defendant was African-American in the, in the trial we just did uh, that I was just serving. I don't know what that meant, but I could see that that was something that was interesting or intriguing or uh, impactful to the defense attorney. Yeah, and certainly if it's a case that is relying upon the testimony of police officers to try to establish something that the state needs to establish, and if the police officer's honesty, believability is at stake in that case, then you want to know, is somebody likely to accept as true something that an officer says or likely to as to question something that an officer says? You know, And so any, any of those biases, you know, ultimately that's what we're looking for as lawyers, is, is somebody biased? Um, and are they biased in a way that, A, I might be able to just get them excluded for cause where I don't have to give a reason? I can say, Judge, they're not fit to be on this jury because of some of the opinions or things they've said in response to these questions. Or when I get my strikes, I have a limited number of those, I say, all right, this person has said something that makes me think they're not going to be fair to my client here. They're not somebody I want. I'll take my chances with the one who didn't say anything. Mm. You know, normally when people say, how do we get out of jury duty? You know, what do I, what do I tell them? Raise your hand and, and answer every question. I'm, I, and, I strike them every time. And give very strong opinions. Yes. You know, don't, don't, don't just be a shrinking <laughs> violet. Don't sit back and, and, and just let it happen. You, you sit there and express your opinions. Oh, very Judge, strongly. I watch those cop shows every night. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's bad what boy, I love bad doing there. And I've yeah. seen the Steve Harvey show. I know what judges are supposed to be like. <laughs> hey, do y'all play that bell from Law and Order? Boom, boom. Yeah, no. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. But that's the thing that, that people go through all the time. But it is important to to show up. And, and we talk about it all the time. It is so and, and, and home team described it well, you know, feeling satisfied. And you, you brought it up to begin with. But it is so important. It's imperative, as a matter of fact, that we show up, even though you may not want to. Hey, you know, everyone out there listening may not have had a trial yet or their close family members or a business trial or jury trial. You're going to want a fair jury. You're not going to want all the smart people figuring out how to wiggle off the jury trial. You're not going to want all the professionals or folks that have been in trouble with the law. Just because you've been in trouble with the law doesn't mean you can't be fair. 
Doesn't mean you can't right. listen to the evidence and the judge's instructions. Maybe that makes you listen even harder because yeah. you know because you've experienced yeah, it because of your experience. So it it is so case by case. I know there's jury consultants and studies, and we've used them. I, I'm sure you have too, yeah. as Bruce. Focus groups, focus groups, and it's helpful. Um, I I'm, guess I'm at that age where I started trying cases in 1985, where it's still very instinctive to me. I watch the jurors as they walk in the courtroom. I watch them. What are they wearing? What kind of watch do they have? What are they, if they brought reading material? Where, what's the background on that? Are they wearing a religious symbol, tattoos? Right. I mean, those are things yeah, we're looking for. Yeah, I mean, for. it used to be you'd send somebody outside of the courthouse and try to find their car and see if they had any bumper stickers uh, on the car. And now, now we check now their it's Facebook social media. Page. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you know, I, I, we we get a list right before the trial starts mm-hmm. of who the prospective jurors are, and so. You know, I have a paralegal. They're immediately going to the Facebook page, to to Twitter. Instagram, to you know, TikTok, whatever. In the courtroom, because you just that. you just want to see what are these people saying when they you know they're just saying it to their people. You know, not when they're here in court right. answering. Um, were there questions that you all had in the jury room and things that you weren't allowed to see or hear or, or, or get any evidence about? Because sometimes there are rulings that you're just not allowed to hear something or they're not allowed to tell you what happened. An objection, for example, would be one. Uh, they did have some things that were. Away from us, the biggest thing that we learned um, was that apparently the guy on trial was on trial in other municipalities. And we were told that he was a car dealership owner. So he came into court every day with a suit on. Every day, he sat with his lawyer. It looked like his parents were sitting in the back room in support. But every day after the trial, once we found him guilty, the judge came in and explained that he was... uh, uh, had been arrested a couple of times and had some other trials going. So when he would leave court every day, he had to put the orange jumpsuit on and go oh, back wow. to jail. Obviously, not to prejudice us, he didn't come to court with his jumpsuit on, but I think it made us feel better that we certainly did make no judgments and treated him like he owned 50 car dealerships. They didn't let us take our notepads home. Um, and maybe that's a, a question you guys can answer because they wanted everything just to stay. They gave us our pen, our pencil, and our notepad. I'm a guy who likes to take copious notes just so I can just remember some things. But they obviously didn't want us talking about it. You know, when we got home, I would have liked to have kept my notes, but we had to leave them in court every day, and you sat in the same seat every day. So the things that we couldn't hear, they would tell us there would be some things that they just had to talk about, and that was it. And that brings up something I try to focus on in my jury trials, is who is or whom are the note-takers, the parliamentarians, uh, the recorders, because when you get in the back of that deliberations, what you hear is important, what you see is important, but if you wrote it down, you're not backing off of it, even if you're wrong, (laughs) just to be honest with you. So I'm trying to watch out of sight of my eye when I'm asking questions, Who's taking notes and how furiously mm-hmm. are they? This is your day in court on Extra 1063 with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. Uh, Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice and special guest home team Brandon Leak. Home team, can you hang around for one more segment? With Please, because I have a question oh, and it has to do better. with money. Let's go. You got everybody's attention now. We'll talk about the question that home team has for Bruce and Ray, and it's all about money. We'll talk about it next on Extra 1063's Your Day in Court. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money 
are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to your day in court with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. Give you an opportunity to reach out to them. They'll uh, let you know how to reach them in case you run amok with the law and need expert guidance. We've got home team Brandon Leak with us, and he ended that last segment with a uh, a cliffhanger, a tease, if you will, and it's all about money. Home team, what you got? What could be done? We're all here, <clears throat> excuse me, for justice and making people whole, truth in the American way. But we also <laughs> want to get paid. <laughs> what can be done about the stipend, the nominal fee that is uh, bestowed upon good citizens who do have to take off work, who do have to rearrange their schedules for their civic duty? But when you get a very nominal fee, I understand. It was $25, right? Yes. Um, and it could be you're there for two days. It could be there you're oh, for, yeah. for two weeks. Um, so I understand you have a, a lot of court cases. You just don't have unlimited funds. But uh, is there anything you think could be done? Because I think that would probably make things just a little bit easier, especially as time goes on. Like I said, the last time we were on a trial, it was for a week. So the first three days looks like you're making progress fine. Then you kind of, some guys don't want to go, and it looks like it's going to carry on. Is there anything that can be done legislative-wise or, you know, from, from county to county where you could just examine getting a little bit more for the juror that really is there to do the right thing? Sure. Well, one thing uh, is that at the federal level, there's money there to try to help the states and counties clear the backlog of cases that have crept up because of the shutdown of the courts over COVID. Um, courts in Georgia, for example, shut down for something like 140 days um, at the peak of COVID based on Supreme Court order, Georgia Supreme Court order to shut down. But even when they reopened, they weren't necessarily reopening for jury trials. And so as they've slowly reopened, it's been a little bit here, a little bit there. So there is money available to try to help ease that backlog. Partly it's to um, provide larger facilities, not necessarily building them out, but just places where you can fit jurors and not have them on top of each other and continuing to expose themselves to the COVID virus. Um, but certainly the idea of some more money for jurors would be absolutely appropriate, especially where 
cost of living has gone up. You know, we're talking about should there be an increase in the minimum wage and, and we know there's rampant inflation uh, in the economy. So why wouldn't jurors get paid more? I think they've been getting paid the same $25 for as long as I can remember hearing about jury Yeah, service. I think everyone that's listening should know that Ray Judice personally and Bruce Hagen wants every one of you prospective jurors to be treated much better. And I'll do everything I can in my here, here. power. In to fact, help that. if we could pay if the jurors we ourselves, that's we would. So we that's right. <laughs> I think that's what you get at. Like well, a little bit of a conflict. But it's a point to take legislation. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, it, look, if you are in a salary job um, and you're going to get paid that you have to be paid while you're out doing jury service, that's one thing. But for somebody who works for themselves or an independent contractor, oh, yeah. you know, it's it's brutal. And and you or know, daycare, they, just daycare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mom's been called in. She's got a couple of kids. They're pre-kindergarten. There's nobody there to help, or maybe they've got part-time help. Well, the twenty-five or whatever bucks a day doesn't cover the daycare. By no and you means. shouldn't. While it is a, you should do this as your civic duty. You shouldn't be financially harmed or punished to do your civic duty. Right. Yeah, and hopefully right. I would think at the beginning of the trial, as the judge was questioning the jurors, the judge typically would ask the folks there, is like, is there anybody who, um, if you were called to serve upon this jury, would create a hardship to you in one way or another, and they allow people to sort of explain themselves? It's It's brutal sometimes. You know, I hear people telling their sob stories about why they can't do this. You know, um, I've got nobody at home to help, and my mother with dementia is at home and I'm solely responsible to take care of her and even as I'm here now I had to lock her into the house because I'm afraid she'll wander off and the judge is like thank you ma'am I'm sorry but you're not excused you know and it's like well, judge so now I have to be the one to ask this person to be here and sit patiently and hear the evidence of my case you know you put us right. in a terrible position right. as well as them but unfortunately f- fewer and fewer people it seems respond to the summons when they get called in for jury service and the judges are just scrambling because they 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 have to get these trials. And done. I think you can get younger people. Uh, the judge told us, uh, you know, why we should show up every day and not be late. He said he told us a story of how he had to send Cobb, I had to send the sheriff's department to a college student's residence because it was a young fella, probably forgot to set his alarm, wasn't that big of a deal. But, you know, maybe you get more younger people, a more selected pool and, and more younger people jury candidates if you could just up it a little bit maybe that would incentivize people for being a little bit more dialed in to do their civic duty we used to always see especially in places like Gwinnett County around the holidays you would get jury pools filled with University of Georgia students or college students that yeah. you know, were home for the holidays and they for whatever reason it seems like those subpoenas were coming for jury service right there <laughs> right there at their Christmas break you know one thing about striking a jury as well there are different judges do it differently and most of it's done where we question all the jurors. Uh, the judge has done his or her generic, you know, do you live in this county and anybody that strikes for cause. And then we were at the table, and Brand, uh, you probably watched this. The, the bailiff goes back and forth between the council tables, and there's a huddled up between the lawyers and the paralegals, and they're, they're making notes, and they go back and forth. And that's where we're striking people. But some judges have you strike as you go along. Yep. And so uh, I'll question a juror, uh, opposing counsel questions a juror. We have a few moments, and one of us has to stand up and say, this juror is acceptable or this juror is not acceptable in front of the rest of the jury pool. Mm. And so you see the looks on each of their faces when this happens, like, oh, man, what's going on? Yeah, right? what, what does God do? <laughs> and even the people who don't want to be on jury service, they sort of want that validation of being considered acceptable. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> right? so funny. Um, I... I, I really messed with a defense lawyer this one case when uh, they brought in the jury and I, and I said, um, judge, the first 12 look fine to me. Yep. Uh, no questions. <laughs> As a criminal defense lawyer, if you sort of like the pool, 
and you get to stand up and say that, Your Honor, whatever the state wants to do, let them do it. I'm good. These look like six fair or 12 fair people. And, of course, you know, the judges are like, Miss Juche. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Right. Whatever. Alre- already. Come already. on. Come on. Now, now, I will say this. Everything I've said today does not apply to the federal court. Well, <laughs> that's uh, true. They no, just right. do. This is state court superior. Right. State Court of Georgia, where we have a we have trial lawyers and judges who basically are uh, a little more uh, I wouldn't say lenient, but it's a more of a jury trial. And they, the they allow thought. us to ask the questions. They allow mm-hmm. us to try the case, and, mm-hmm. and they're just there to, to sort of throw a flag if you step out of bounds, something like that. But in the federal system, Ray's exactly right. The judges ask the questions of the jurors. We we get we to submit ask next questions. to nothing. We submit questions. They may or may not ask them. It's a very challenging process in which to really root out bias because you just don't know what people are really thinking because you don't get to ask the questions. You can't move from the podium And and you don't get to bond with them. I mean, whether you realized it, Brandon, or not, you know, the the good lawyers are already trying to establish a rapport with you. They're trying to sit in your lap in the jury jury selection. You know, (laughs) I I teach courses. Ray teaches young lawyers like I do. and, And, you know, we tell them, don't waste the opportunity of jury selection to just go through these rote, dry questions and not give it an opportunity. Here's how I start out jury selection, and some defense lawyers hate it, some judges have stopped me before, but I don't care. I start out by saying this, um, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna ask you a series of questions. Uh, we're looking for you to be honest and give open responses because there's no wrong answers, but we just want to have a chance for everybody here to get to know who you are a little bit so that we can make a decision of whether you'd be appropriate to serve as a juror in this case. And seeing as I'm going to be ask you, asking you personal questions about who you are, I feel it's only appropriate that I tell you a little bit about who I am. My name is Bruce Hagan. I've been a lawyer in the state for 35 years. I am married to the same woman for the last 33 years. We have three kids. My son is a lawyer in my office. Oh, um, when I'm not That's trying good. cases. We like I've him. Been, That's good. I, I, coach, <laughs> youth, exactly I right. coach youth football at Sandy Springs. <laughs> yeah. I, I did the announcing at North Springs High School for 10 years. Uh, I'm, you might have heard me on 680 The Fan uh, or before that 790 The Zone. I have a radio show, Your Day in Court with Ray Giudice. Um, and my office is in Decatur uh, downtown. So. Now automatically they know who you any, are do any of you now that you've heard this do any of you know me or feel that you um have some sort of connection to me that would make it unfair for you to be a juror right and the defense lawyers typically are just not prepared to do the same you, you yeah. know and so i'm i'm just like okay check one off for us we, they already at least have heard something about me they may hate me you know but at least they know a little bit about who i am and then i start asking them questions see but i think that's so endearing i think i would i Aww, would think you that just would like be, me Tug. well i do you're exactly right but no i i mean and home team could say the same thing when you when you're talking to people on the radio you're telling your story about who you are and typically i'll say my son jacob or my wife laura i, I live in alpharetta or whatever because when if i ever meet somebody that happens to listen we already have some rapport there and I'm sure you've seen that that same thing work, you know, whether it's uh, fans of different teams or whatever it is. Yeah, and, you know, you want connections with That's people. Right. And I, I will say, once they start weeding down the uh, numbers and you make it to the box and they get to the final selections and the alternates and that kind of stuff, the people who make it that far, they really want to be there. And so they want to be there to do the right thing. I don't think people show up and say, I want to be here so I can be off work. Or I want to be here because I want to make sure he gets 55 years in prison. People really, when they get towards the end, so the connection, you're right, making sure that um, there is some connectivity, that you're not going to be wasting my time, and I'm not here for no reason, and uh, we're all just trying to do what we all have to do. I think that's a part of jury service as well. So I'm, I'm glad I got a chance to serve. I, I would love to do it every time that they call me because I think it is important that people 
protect what we have because we never know when we all might need to be on one side or the other side of the jury box. It's been a fascinating conversation, Home Team. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing it. If uh, you need help in the the world where you've run amok of the law, you've, you've gotten in trouble, maybe it's an accident, maybe it's something worse, if you need expert advice from a renowned lawyer, I'm going to introduce you to right now. Bruce, how did folks get a hold of you? Easy to find me. It's uh, 404-522-7553 is the number. The website is hagen-law.com, H-A-G-E-N-law.com. Bruce at hagen-law.com is the email. Um, you can find me on social media at Peeps Lawyer. Uh, easy to find on Twitter, Instagram. Not on TikTok in any real way, uh, well, other, soon, than, other than as a stalker. Yeah, uh, but right. yeah, very easy to find me, and uh, you know we're always there to answer the calls and and help you with whatever you may need and direct you in uh, in the right direction if it's an area of law that we don't handle. There you go, Ray. Ray Judicek, 404-964-4185, now located in Roswell, Georgia, after many, many years in town. Uh, Bruce, you know, you, you talk about letting the jury know a little bit who you are, and I was not picking a jury in Gwinnett County a few years ago, and one of the jurors responded to the judge's question, does anybody know the lawyers, Mr. Judice and the prosecutor? And one gentleman stood up and said, Judge, I listen to Ray Judice on 680 The Fan every Friday morning, and I must say, Mr. Judice, you have a face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was going to be a two-week jury trial. I made sure he was there for two weeks. <laughs> right. We're not putting up with that nonsense. It's such a great uh, show and so much good, uh, usable information because we all go through this. We're all selected for a jury at some point or at least get a jury summons, if nothing else. Appreciate you spending time with us this morning on Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagen and Ray Judice. And thank you so much, home team, for being with us. This is Your Day in Court on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. 
First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.